Pastor Kelsey came up to me and she said, uh, do you think you, maybe you could do the announcements and maybe the prayer? And I said, so just everything but preach. And she said, yeah, that'd be, that'd be pretty, that'd be, that would be good. But anyway, we, uh, this is Pastor Appreciation Month. And I want to tell you, I appreciate this lady right here. She does a great job with your kids. And uh, she, she is a blessing to have around. And this is not her wheelhouse uh, on uh, speaking on Sunday night. But as, as staff, we have decided that we, we, this is what we want to do. And, and this pushes her out of her comfort zone. But I, and I just want you to remember, Pastor Kelsey is a called uh, woman of God. And she's called to preach. She's not a uh, babysitter or someone that just keeps your kids. She has a she has a real call on her life, and I think sometimes people forget that. Uh, but it's real and it's important. And uh, I just want to thank you, Kelsey, for for being our, our great children's pastor, and thank you for bringing the word tonight. She said she was going to preach on Sabbath, and that we could all take a nap. So uh, I thought it was a good idea. But anyway, <laughs> Lord bless you, Kelsey. It's really just not my comfort zone because I just really don't like to be in the spotlight is really all that it is. <laughs> but Sarah and Marty, wow, they're troopers because they've had to listen to me all day now, so they should get a gold star. But Sarah told me I should just do what you know I do with the kids, which would turn all of you guys into space ninjas and you guys into pirate squirrels. So <laughs> now you're probably all just confused, so that sounds like a good place to start. <laughs> Um, so, uh, every week, for as long as I can remember, we have had, um, a group of people that, uh, we welcome into our home after church on Sundays, and, um, the group has grown, and it's changed, and people have come and gone, but, um, I was thinking about this as I was writing my sermon tonight, because I want to talk about, uh, the importance of community, and, I think that I counted that the maximum amount of people we've probably had at our house is 24 in like a little tiny living room. It's so crowded and it's so loud because there's lots of kids. There's probably nearly as many kids as there is adults. So it's a madhouse and it's crazy, but it's fun. Um, Sometimes I hibernate in my room because, you know, it's a lot of people, but... um, but those are my people, and for as long as I remember, I have grown up with those people coming over to my house all the time, and they're the people that I know that I can count on to pray for me when I need prayer. They've physically laid hands and prayed over me as I've made journeys back and forth to and from Kansas for school, and they've laid hands and prayed on me over my calling to ministry and just my ministry in general, and so... We do lots of things together. We like to play games together. We like to have fun together. We like to watch shows together. And of course, um, we really like to eat together. That's really important. Um, But uh, it's just good to know that no matter what happens in life, I have that group of people that I know I can count on to be there for anything. And that's kind of what I was reminded of while I was um, thinking about what to speak on tonight. And so... I just want to talk with you guys about how we 
humans in general need a community who are not meant to be alone and how Christians are called to community. And so we're going to read from Acts chapter 2 tonight, which is one of my favorites. I'm going to read starting in verse um, 38 through 47. And so it says, actually, would you guys stand as we read this? It says, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to show that you have received forgiveness for your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers that met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This word, God, you can be seated. Um, so uh, I really love this passage because it reminds me a lot of that community I was just describing that I grew up with. Um, and I just love the sense of community that's found in it. Like how awesome that the Lord added 3,000 new believers that day because of one sermon that um, Peter preached. And so in the beginning of this passage, Peter is just finishing his sermon to a large crowd of Jews. And his message um, that he's preaching is that Jesus is the Messiah and that uh, they need to repent and turn towards God and uh, be baptized. And so as a result of this sermon, Peter and Peter's obedience to preach this message, 3,000 people were saved and become new believers. And I got to thinking, that's like nearly half the town of Marshfield becoming new believers. Like, that's insane. And I can't even imagine what it'd be like if half of our town became new believers. Like, that would be such a cool revival. And so I imagine these people are like just coming off of this like spiritual high because that's just like such a big deal, you know? Um... But one of the things that happens next is probably one of the things I love most about this passage. Um, So the first thing that these new believers did, it says, like right after their new believers, it says that they devoted themselves to four things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the Lord's Supper, and prayer. And they do all these things together. And so sometimes I think it's easy for us to forget our need for one another. I think our culture has like told us a lot that we need to be independent and that we don't need other people to survive. Um, and so sometimes I think we try to like push ourselves out of a community or even maybe sometimes we go to the extreme opposite and we build communities that might isolate others. Um, but communities are meant to include others and not exclude them 
And like, as you see in this passage, it's biblical. Like we're not meant to be alone. And so uh, one of the other, I was just looking up like different verses that talk about our need for people and loneliness and things like that. And um, one of the ones that I was reminded of was from Genesis chapter two. And so I'm gonna read you a couple verses from this. Am I doing something wrong, Tim? (laughs) Okay. Another pocket. Do I need to take it out? Um, Okay, so I'm going to read to you uh, a couple of the verses from Genesis chapter 2. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and for the man to choose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals, but still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. The Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last the man exclaimed, This is one This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. And so that like, that first sentence just really struck me where God says it's not good for man to be alone. And so God gives him all these animals and yet still that's not, he says he's gonna make him a helper and still those were not enough. He then created Eve and that was what was good. The result was that he was adding someone for Adam. And so, uh, as I was reading this, I just kind of got curious thinking about, well, what, like, I'm sure that there's statistics out there that, like, talk about loneliness. And so, uh, I found these statistics, and they're, like, legit. Like, they're from Health Resources and Services Administration, which sounds pretty fancy. So, but seriously, like, I'm going to read you these, and they just, like, blew me away. So, the first one is, Loneliness and social isolation are more dangerous than obesity and can be as damaging to the health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Like, that's crazy. (laughs) Uh, And then it says, two in five Americans report that they sometimes or always feel their social relationships are not meaningful. And so it sounds to me like from that, that they have people, but they're not meaningful relationships. It's not a meaningful community that they obviously belong to. Uh, And then it says one in five say they feel lonely or isolated. And I'm sure if we like looked just in this room, like that's a lot of us that it would say feel isolated. And then the last one that uh, just kind of like stood out to me was um, there is a 45% increased 
risk of mortality in seniors who report feeling lonely. And so right there, like, not only are you seeing in Scripture that, you know, loneliness is not good. God says it's not good for man to be alone. But also, like, you see these real statistics, and, like, the one about the cigarettes just gets me. Like, that's, that's crazy. Like, I have an aunt who smokes, and every time I've, like, seen smoker lungs, they're just nasty, you know? Um, and then uh, I found this uh, verse from Ecclesiastes that also talked about it, and so it says, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the cause of a man who is all alone, without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asked himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It's all so meaningless and depressing. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. So you see, like, it's not just one scripture that's, like, pointing us to this idea of community. There's more than one that shows us that we're not meant to be alone. We're meant to have a community. So then the question would be, what, what should these communities look like? Um, and so the first one is communities should be inclusive and not exclusive. Uh, in the passage that I read from Acts, it mentions how after the 3,000 new believers are baptized and added to the church, they meet together in one place and shared everything they had. So they didn't just like split up and create a bunch of these like different individual communities. They've all gathered as 3,000 into one place. I don't know if you know this, but 3,000, that's a lot of people. <laughs> I think about the 24 in my living room, and then you like add a whole lot to that. That's a lot of people. And so I think it's just really cool that, I think that's just cool to see in scripture that they didn't just break off and say, well, we're a group of 3,000, so we're gonna have to, you know, dwindle down. No, as these new believers, they all stick together and meet in one place. Um, and so the thought came to mind that if 3,000 of them can meet together in one place, then why could we not make space for anyone who wants to be a part of our community? Um, so we should be doing the same. We should be welcoming all people and not saying, well, our community, you know, we're, we're getting a little big, so let's start a new one. You know, like 3,000 of them met together. Uh, and then the second idea I found was community is meant to be encouraging. And in Galatians, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, if, any, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation as yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Um, so we are meant to be a group of people who are uplifting and encouraging, not one who tears each other down because someone in our community has messed up. We're supposed to uh, come alongside them and help them and encourage them and pray for them. Um, so 
uh, since I'm a children's pastor, I felt the need to have an object lesson. So I need someone, some kid who's willing to come help me. Um, okay, Hayden, you come up here, Hayden. It'll be so fun, I promise. <laughs> so I thought that I would just uh, help us to really see the importance of coming alongside one another. So Hayden, guess what? Um, I'm going to give you a bunch of burdens. Doesn't that sound like fun? <laughs> he must not know what burdens are. <laughs> Okay, so I want, like, you guys just to, like, shout out some different things in life that are burdens. Bills. Bills. Oh, yeah, that's a big burden. You don't get that one yet, but don't worry. One day it'll come. Taxes. Taxes. Oh, yeah. Don't want to give any money away. That's for sure. What else? Bad health. Yeah, that's no good. How are you doing? You holding up? Think you can manage? Still got a lot of burdens here. What else? (laughs) In-laws. I wouldn't know about that one, but okay. Uh, What else? Relationships. Yeah, those can be difficult. Are are you holding up there? It's getting a little heavy, isn't it? Is it getting hard to hold them all? Okay, let's keep adding. What else? (laughs) Work, yeah, work can be a burden some days. Remember, you you wanted these burdens, remember that. School, yes. Kids, school is never a burden to you, is it? It's always great pleasure. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) What else? Say it again. Unsaved friends, ooh, yeah, that's hard. We want our friends to love and know God. (laughs) It's getting a little tricky, isn't it, Hayden? Siblings, yes, (laughs) for sure. Oh, say it again really loud. I can't hold it. I was really quiet, but he says, I can't hold it. He's struggling to carry these burdens. So what happens if Abby comes up here and helps Hayden with these burdens? Hurry, he's about to crumble. (laughs) Look at all this. What did that do for you, Hayden? Did that make it easier? Yeah. So that's how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to come alongside our friends and help them and encourage them. Thank you guys for your help. You're awesome. And Hayden's really strong. We learned about Samson this morning, so you've got strength like Samson, I'm sure. So it's important to make sure that our communities are supportive and encouraging and that we're coming alongside our friends as they're struggling. Um, Community should also be loving, which kind of goes along with uh, being supportive and encouraging. Colossians 3, 13 through 14 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, 
Clothe yourselves with love, which minds, binds all of us together in perfect harmony. And Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. So it's important because there's probably a good chance that if you have any uh, number of people in your community that someone might accidentally do something to hurt you, right? It happens. We're human. And so this verse from Colossians reminds us that we're supposed to be loving and forgiving. And so sometimes that's hard to do, but it's possible. And so we should be a community who uh, loves on those within our community. Um, And then our community should also include those who don't yet know God and those who are also believers. And I think this is probably one of the most important ones because as I was thinking about this one, it just reminded me of all those statistics about loneliness. And so in Acts verse 47, um, it ends by saying, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved, which would imply that there were people amongst them who had not yet been saved, right? So um, we too should be the same way and we should have Uh, we should be welcoming those who are not yet saved into our communities, but also those who are new believers, right? Because we know what happens. Those of us who have accepted that, we understand the way it works, and we understand that when we make that decision to follow Christ, what's Satan going to do? He's going to come alongside and try to make us forget about that decision we've made and to try to crush us. And so uh, it's important that those new believers have that community they know they can come to when those hardships come. And so uh, as I was reading on this passage and just like looking at some of the history and whatnot of it, um, this one book that I was reading from specifically, uh, the guy that wrote it shares um, based on this one verse. He says, as a lover of the Bible and a firm believer in its primacy for faith and practice, Oh, wait, let me back up. Sorry. So he was talking about how uh, one day in one of his groups that he's a part of, um, he was reading this guide for uh, the first steps to fellowship and how it was important for new believers within their first few days of coming to know Christ should find a group to fellowship with. And so he says, as a lover of the Bible and a firm believer in its primacy for faith and practice, I felt that the Bible should have been mentioned here rather than fellowship. But soon I learned that new believers usually get to learn the importance of the Bible through fellowship. The Bible is a strange book to many new believers. When they see others who have reached out to them in love, studying the Bible, teaching it, quoting it, applying it, and describing its importance for life, they realize that they themselves need to get down to study the scriptures. So it's necessary that we come alongside those people and that um, our community has a variety to it, right? That we aren't just picking those who look like us or believe like us, but that we're using that community to reach others for Christ. And then um, the last idea that I was reminded of writing this was that community needs to include fellowship. And so um, in Acts, Luke is the one that writes it, and he uses the Greek word 
for fellowship, which is koinonia, which is just a really fun word to say. You should all say it. Man, kids respond a lot better than adults, guys. Um, Yeah, so the basic idea behind koinonia is sharing, and so much like the passage that Acts talked about where um, they come together and they share all their possessions and uh, they just fellowship together and share meals together, koinonia is also used to denote intimacy and fellowship in general, and it's also used um, for the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and in our participation of the Lord's Supper, which I just thought was cool that, like, the same word is used there for these, like, really awesome things. And so I think that just helps to, uh, helps us to picture the importance for uh, fellowship even within that community. And sometimes I think it's okay if fellowship isn't just sitting down and reading the scriptures together, but it's just, like, sharing life together, because that's those are the things I remember about my community of people that were always coming to our house. We would play games together and just have fun together and share about life, and it's a time to be able to, like Hayden and Abby did, to come together and share those burdens with each other. And so I just encourage you tonight to think about uh, who your community is. I'm sure that most of us would claim all of us here tonight as a community, but um, be thinking too. I think there's always ways that we can be improving our community. You know, we're not perfect, and I know for myself even that I'm not perfect at including people who aren't believers, if I'm being really honest. It's intimidating to me, and so that's an area that I know I need to work on, and so I would just encourage you to uh, think about that and think about areas in your life where you could include others in your community. Maybe there's someone you know who's battling depression or anxiety or things like that and needs to be a part of a community. And so I would encourage you to just think about that and be reminded that humans need community and Christians are called to community. And I just want to end with this verse from Proverbs 27, 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Um... I'm going to close for us in prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for um, this word tonight, God, and thank you just for the ways that I know you spoke to me through this message about um, a need for a community and a need to um, be reaching out to others and including others within the community, God. I pray that you would just help each of us tonight here to just be challenged to um, reach out to someone, to include them, God, and just Uh, for them to be able to feel your love through us, God. And I pray that you would just be with us as we go this week. Help us to just be aware of who that might be, God. And it's in your name I pray these things. Amen. All right.